0: We're going to be in Colossians chapter 4 this morning. If you want to turn there. Before we get started, why don't you just bow your head and let's ask the Lord's blessing on His Word. Father, as we come into Your presence, we are fully aware of the power that's in Your Word. And God, I'm also fully aware of the powerlessness that I have in myself. And so God, I'm asking that Your supernatural Word would be, would come alive and explode in our lives by the power of your spirit today, that I'm asking for you to speak to us. God, get past the level of emotion and past the level of our intellect and speak to us deep in our innermost being. Have your way in us, God, and, and change us by the power of your word. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, when it comes to sermons, Christians and non-Christians agree on at least one thing. And that is they don't want to hear about money. A common complaint among the uh, is that the church talks too much about money. In fact, when Rick Warren uh, began Saddleback Church in Southern California, he conducted a house-to-house survey asking people why they didn't attend church, and one of the top responses was the church is always asking for money. For the uh, for the for the record, the other top reasons were the sermons are boring, the people are unfriendly, and they don't feel comfortable didn't feel comfortable leaving their kids with strangers in the nursery. And I, I suppose that there are occasions when they, these complaints are are valid. Some churches and or preachers have the tendency to put, I feel like, too much emphasis on money. I mean, I, I know of a, a, a well-known TV preacher was reported to have spent 40% of his airtime asking for donations. And I've been in services where the pastor spent 20 minutes taking the offering. And And I'm not here to judge that or anything. I'm just saying that sometimes churches do talk about money sometimes too much but churches do also talk about money because churches need money expenses must be met and the 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 way that that is met is through the sacrificial giving of giving of members of the congregation and i'll i'll be the first to admit that the church needs money and I, and i'm not at all ever apologetic about it when i speak about it today however i have good news i am not speaking about money yeah. <laughs> Instead, what I'm going to, the reason I even brought that up is that I want to talk about what we need even more than money. You know as Paul finishes his letter to the Colossians, he extends a challenge to them and he makes a special request. Today I'm going to extend the same challenge to you and make the same request of you. The very things that Paul needed in his ministry we need in ours. So what is the challenge? is in verse two of Colossians chapter 4, he writes this, devote yourselves to prayer being watchful and thankful this is what our church needs more than money we need a congregation of believers committed to the ministry of of prayer then paul challenges these colossian christians to do three things here he says number one make prayer a priority That's where you see that where he says, devote yourselves to prayer. He says, look for things to pray about. And that's being watchful. And he says, do it with a good attitude. And that's to be thankful. And then after that, Paul makes a request to the uh, Colossian Christians. He said in verse 3, and pray for us. Today I'm going to do the very, very same thing. I'm asking you to make prayer more of a priority in your life, and I'm asking you specifically to pray for the ministry of this church, for the ministry of Restoration Life Church. And as as a start, as we mentioned earlier, I'm asking you to do this for the next 21 days. Before we can even begin to think about what we want to accomplish as a church and what we'd like to do as a church, the ministries that God is calling us to as a church, before we do any of that, we need to have a, a solid foundation of prayer. We need members of this congregation to pray for the ministry of this church. So the, the question is then, about what should we be praying and Paul tells us in these first few verses of Colossians 4, in order for this church to be the church God wants us to be, we need you to pray for these three things. And this is what I'm asking you to partner with me doing in the next, uh, in the next three weeks, but really all year long. Verse 3, this is what Paul said. He, well, first of all, he says, Pray that we will have opportunities for ministry. Pray that we will have opportunities for ministry. Verse, verse 3. And pray for us too that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Listen, I don't know everything that God has in store for this church, but I do know this. I do know that, that He wants our involvement in this community and our involvement in this world that, in which we live to be much more than just opening our doors to the public once or twice a week. God has called us not only to gather together for worship. Now, that's important, and He has called us to gather together. There is strength when we come together. There is, there is. uh, God does some powerful things. We encourage one another when we come together. He has called us to gather together for worship, but that's not the only calling He has for us. He's also called us to reach out to others in ministry. You know, Jesus introduced... The idea of the church's disciples in Matthew sixteen eighteen, when he said, "On this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it." Yeah, I love that verse, but I've got to—I've got to tell you—for years and years, when I would read that verse, I, I interpreted—I even heard it preached this way—I interpreted it to mean that the church would be strong enough to endure the attacks of the devil. Until one day, I was reading that, and I suddenly realized. Armies don't take gates into the battle with them. Armies don't take their gates and, 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 and as a an, uh, weapon of attack. The gates stay at home. Gates are defensive structures, not offensive we, we, uh, weapons. And so what Jesus, I believe, is saying here is that the church should not be on the defensive in the fight against evil. The church should be on the offensive. And that as we go on the offensive, that the gates of hell, he cannot keep us out. He cannot stop the church from moving forward. You know, it's like, And if you love this song, you have to forgive me because Jesus said you have to forgive me. But I, I really don't like this song. Hold the fort. I don't like it because it's the wrong mentality. Jesus didn't say, all right, I want you to hunker down, get in a fort, get in a safe place and just hold on until I get there. That's not what he said for us to do at all. He said, I want you to go into all the world. I want you to preach the gospel. I want you to take new territory for the kingdom of God. Don't sit around and wait and hold on and and just try to just make it by until I get back. He said that the gates of hell will not prevail against this gospel that we preach. And so Jesus is saying that we, as the church aggressively, we should aggressively attack the kingdom of darkness with the gospel. Now don't misunderstand everybody likes to twist words nowadays they say oh he's inciting violence no, I'm talking about in the spiritual realm that we aggressively attack in the spiritual battle for the souls of men and women for the souls of the city, for this nation that we need to get in the fight and that as we aggressively attack the kingdom of, of, of the darkness with the gospel of Jesus Christ then the powers of darkness cannot withstand the power of God that is released through the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And as we storm the gates of the kingdom of darkness with the gospel of Jesus Christ, as we take back stolen ground from the enemy, as we take new territory for the kingdom of God, I want you to hear what Jesus is saying here is that there's nothing Satan can do to stop it. That's what he's saying here. That's the power of the gospel. And in this city... There are places where the presence of Christ is desperately needed. In our schools, there are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of students who need to hear about the God who loves them and has big plans for their lives. In our neighborhoods, there are families who need to hear about a life, the life-changing power of Jesus Christ. There are business professionals who need to hear that, that Jesus Christ can fill their life with meaning Uh, with a meaning that money can never, never supply. In the bars, there are people who need to hear how Jesus can fill the emptiness that, that haunts them. There are people whose lives have been wrecked by sin, and they need to know that God still loves them, and He can put their lives back together again, that He has not given up on them. There are those who are overcome with despair, and they need to know that there is hope and purpose in life with Jesus Christ. This city is filled with people who need to know that there is a God who loves them and He loves them so much that He he sent His one and only Son into the world to die for them. In order to communicate this message to the world, we have to do more than just simply open our doors one one or two or three times a week. We need to take the life-changing message of Jesus Christ in the community. And and listen, yes, there are things that we we will do and we do as a church corporately, but what this means is that we as the church take it out to the world in which we live. So don't, don't sit around, don't say Pastor Dave's talking about this, us planning more events. Maybe we need to do that as a church. I'm not saying that that's not the case, but I am saying this. I'm saying, let me put it this way. You did not come to church today. The church came here today. You see see the difference there? You didn't come to a church. Church is not a place. Church is not a location. Church is not a, a building. Church is the people of God. And that means for the church to go into the community, for the church to preach the gospel, means that you go into the community, that you preach the gospel, that you take it into your workplace, you take it into your school, you take it into the marketplace, you take it wherever you go, and you are salt and light for the gospel of Jesus Christ, and you let people know about, about a God who loves them. Now, in order to communicate this message, we, we have to, uh, we have to uh, go do more than just open the doors. We need to take it to, to the people. And of course, we already know that, that reality. Everybody here knows we're supposed to take the gospel, we're supposed to preach the gospel, we're supposed to tell people about Jesus. We all know that. The question is, Where do we go and when? Where are the doors that God is opening for us as a church? Where are the doors that God is opening for you as an individual? That's what we need to pray about. To pray and say, God, I believe that you have a ministry for me. You have a ministry for this church. There are things that you want to do through us. So God, show us Where you're opening the doors. You know what, instead, what we often do? We get an idea in our mind and we say, I want to do this. And we say, God, please bless what I'm doing. Please bless what I'm doing. This is a good thing, God. Bless what I'm doing. What we need to do instead is say, God, show me what you're blessing so that I can get involved in that. Show me where you're working so that I can jump in. So, so to pray, God, where are the open doors? Show me the open doors. Help me to see the open doors. Not just as a church, but also individually. Help me to see, God, when, when that person at work says that one statement that somehow opens the door for me to be able to tell them about Jesus. Help me to see that. Help me not to miss those moments, God. Here's the reality for us individually, but, but even as a church. We can't do everything that needs to be done in this community. Isn't that right? I mean, the needs are so overwhelming. I mean, even if we were, you know, the, the three times the size of the biggest church in the community, we still could not meet every need that needs to be met. We could not, we can't do everything that needs to be done. But you know what we can do? We can go wherever God leads us. We can do what he calls us to do. And when a door opens, we can go through that door. So pray that God will show us opportunities for ministry here in this city. Second thing, pray that we will proclaim the message of Christ. Pray that we will proclaim the message of Christ. Verse 4, pray, Paul said, this is Paul the apostle, pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. You know, one problem that the church faces is that the world doesn't know what our message is. In fact, I think sometimes that the church doesn't really know what our message is. We get confused and we think it's, you know, the answer is politics and the answer is all these other things and all these, these great ideas, these big things. But but But, you know, the truth is because of the way preachers and churches are portrayed on TV, which, by the way, if you pay attention... First of all, rarely is there a Christian character or a, a pastor or anything like that in a in a uh, modern television series or in the movies. And when they are included, they're usually included in a very negative light. Isn't that right? I mean, it's very rare to see a positive, wholesome uh, portrayal of a Christian. And so because of that, and then you add to that, the uh, because of the way some so-called Christians act, there are some people who think, That being a Christian means you're just against everything. We don't do that. We don't like that. We they Maybe they think that the heart of our message is don't do this, don't do that, don't do this, don't do that, and you're a bunch of dirty, rotten, stinking sinners, and because you do all those things, that is not the heart of our message at all. The gospel is not, has never been, and never will be a list of do's and don'ts. Now, does that mean that God won't uh, convict you of sin tell you don't do things? Yes, absolutely. And there are things that He's pre- already clearly prescribed in His Word that He said, Says, this is sin stay away from this that's not what I'm talking about at all but I'm saying that is not the heart of our message we're not here to, to do that some may think that our message is that in order to be a Christian you've got to clean up your life you've got to start doing good works and and if you become good enough then God will let you into heaven that is not our message at all that's not even close in fact that's really the opposite of our message Because that's saying that you're earning your way into heaven. And our message is you can't make it into heaven on your own. Period. It's the grace of God. It's His work, not yours. Some may think that our message is that all you have to do is join our church and you're a Christian. Well, I got some bad news for you. Coming into this church building doesn't make you a Christian any more than walking into a garage makes you a car. That's the reality of it. That's not our message. Our message, the message of the gospel, the reason it's a struggle is because it doesn't make sense to the world. Paul said in 1 Corinthians one twenty three, we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews, and foolishness to the Gentiles. Now, in Paul's world, you were either one of two things. You were either a Jew or you were a Gentile. A Gentile is anybody who's not a Jew. So that means that verse includes everybody in the whole world. This is this preaching of the gospel does not make sense to the people who are in the world. 2 Corinthians 4, verses 3 and 4, Paul said, And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. The the bottom line is people outside the church on their own simply do not understand the gospel. And that means it is our responsibility to proclaim the gospel clearly in a way that they can understand. In fact, that's why we have kids ministries. Because a child is not going to come in here. A seven-year-old child is not going to understand the things that I teach. They're not going to understand and grasp what I'm trying to get across but if you teach them at the level of a seven-year-old, they will. This is why we. This is why we missionaries. Missionaries go out and they don't. They don't try to preach the gospel and make a, everybody around the world act like an American. No, they try to bring it into the context of the culture and help them understand what the gospel is all about. I have a, I have a friend who uh, uh, he lives in Idaho now, but when we were in Nevada, he was a high school rodeo chaplain. Isn't that great? See, out west, they have high school rodeo. <laughs> it's a different world out west, I'm telling you. But he did a high school rodeo chaplainship, chaplainship, uh, and, and he did often was in different rodeos, different places, and he did cowboy church. Guess what? I can tell you one thing. In cowboy church, they didn't do the mu- kind of music we did this morning. It was twangy. It was, it was, I mean, it was cowboy music. Because Why? It's because you you express the gospel in a way that can be clearly understood to the person to whom you're talking. So what is the heart of our message? Our message is this. Jesus Christ is Lord, and He has the power to save you, and He can turn your life around. That our sin has separated us from God, and that Jesus is the only one who can remove our sin. You can't get rid of your own sin. Once you have sinned, it's there permanently, unless somebody else can remove it, because you can't. You know, I've used this illustration before, but it's really simple to understand. How many of you have ever told a lie in your life? All right, everybody knows to raise your hand, because if you don't raise your hand, we know you're telling another lie, right? right. All right, and then here's the question I always follow up with. How many lies does it take to be a liar? Okay, right. So that means if you've ever told a lie, I'm here to tell you, you're a liar. You're a liar. And there's nothing you can do to change that. Even if you tell the truth the rest of your life, you cannot change the reality that you at least one time in your life told a lie. You cannot, even if you confess even if you make it right, you still lied. You can't change it. But Jesus can. The Bible says that by His blood and by His sacrifice, He can remove our sins from us. That means He takes the title of liar that used to be behind my name and now He moves it off to the side and He throws it into the sea of forgetfulness and He says, Dave... You are no longer a liar. You're clean. Your slate is gone, clean. All the sins are wiped, for, wiped, uh, wiped away. You are no longer a sinner. That's what he does. That's our message. Only he can remove your guilt and your shame and replace it with joy and with purpose. And as doors of opportunity open for us, we have to make sure that we proclaim the message of the gospel clearly. Our message is not that we are a nice, loving church. We are a loving church, but that's not our message. Our message is not, look at us, look what we do in the community, because it's not about us. Our message is Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Here's the thing. We do not want to be defined by what we are are against. We don't want to be known as the church that's against this and against that, against this. We want to be known and defined according to whom we are for. This church is for Jesus. So pray that we will faithfully proclaim the message of the gospel to our world. Third, this is so powerful. Pray that we will not let setbacks stand in our way. Pray that we will not let setbacks stand in our way. Verse 3, he said, and we read this a moment ago, and pray for us also that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ. Listen to these last words. For which I am in chains. Sounds like a setback to me. You know, Paul's been a significant part of his ministry behind bars. But while he was behind bars, he never stopped pursuing his calling. He never stopped preaching. He never stopped witnessing. He never stopped talking about Jesus. He never stopped planning churches. He never stopped writing uh, letters to the churches. He never stopped encouraging believers around him. And, and in fact, Prison was just one of the setbacks. That wasn't the only setback that Paul experienced. Listen to how he describes it in 2 Corinthians 11. This is one of the most incredible passages of Scripture I've ever read. Listen to what he said. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I have been constantly on the move. I have been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false believers. I have labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I have been cold and naked. Besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. And I read that and all I can say is, Whoa. I mean, can you even imagine facing those kinds of setbacks and still pressing on? I don't know about you, but going through all those things, I'd have been like, man, I don't know if this is the right thing for me. This doesn't seem to be working out the way a lot of us, our theology goes. We say, if the way is smooth, God must be in it. Well, by that theology, Paul was way out of God's will, wasn't he? Paul refused to allow any obstacle to stand in his way. He simply would not give up. I don't know about you, but it makes me kind of feel wimpy to even think about giving up uh, when we face my obstacles. The fact is, I want you to understand this clearly, because we're in a battle, because the God of this world is active and he's fighting against the gospel. The fact is, we will experience setbacks in our efforts to do ministry. We will experience setbacks as a church. You will experience setbacks in your ministry as an individual. There'll be times when it will just become difficult. There'll be times when we're just flat out tired. Anybody ever been there? Just worn out, not just physically. I'm talking about worn out emotionally, worn out mentally, and worn out spiritually, which is... Way worse than being worn out physically. There are times when we're going to face opposition. There are going to be times when, when money is going to be tight. There are going to be times when resources are running low. There are going to be times when it will be easier just to look the other way and pretend that we don't see the need. There will be times when our hearts are broken and we just don't feel like doing anything because we think maybe we need to be ministered to. There will be times when quitting seems like the easiest and maybe even the most logical thing to do but no matter how attractive the option of giving up may seem, we must remain faithful. We must stay in the battle. We must continue to pursue the ministry to which God has called us. A few weeks ago, I shared a story in a Wednesday night Bible study. We'd love to have you join us Wednesday night at 6.30 for our Bible study. We've been walking through First and Second Thessalonians, and uh, it's been really great, but I want to share this story. Hours behind the runner in front of him, the last marathoner in the 1968 Olympic Games, a man named John Aquari, finally entered into the Olympic Stadium. By that time, the drama of the day's events was almost over, and most of the spectators had already gone home, but Aquari's story was still being played out. You see, during the race, as he was running this marathon, which you understand, it's 26.2 miles, so it's a long race. And during this race, he fell, and when he fell, he gashed his knee, and when he gashed, fell on his knee, it actually, he suffered a, uh, a dislocation of some type at his knee. And he also, when he fell, fell onto his shoulder, smashed his shoulder, scraped himself up, and, uh, and, and he was just in bad shape. And most observers who were watching the race, Seeing his injuries, they just assumed that he was just going to pull out and go to a hospital. And nobody would blame him. But instead, what he did is he stopped to receive some medical attention. Then he returned to the track and continued his race. And as you know, the marathon starts way outside the stadium and they run a long ways. And then they finally enter the stadium and they finish the, 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 the race on the track inside the Olympic Stadium. And so he comes into the stadium, limp, limping into the arena. The, this, the Tanzanian runner, he grimaced with every step. His knee was bleeding and bandaged from the earlier fall. And as, as he entered the arena, the, his ragged appearance immediately caught the attention of the remaining crowd. And, and, and they saw him and they realized this guy's going to finish. And they saw the condition he was in and they start cheering him on to the finish line. It's a beautiful thing. You can read about it. There's even some video that you can find about it. But the question is, why did he stay in the race? Everybody everybody knew he was injured badly enough that he could just quit, be okay. Nobody's going to say a word if he goes to the hospital gets treated. What made him endure his injuries to the end? Well, after the race, you can imagine the reporters that were there capturing this Wonderful event, this this really moving moment. They, they gather around him and they ask him those very questions. And this was his reply. He said, my country did not send me 5,000 miles away to start the race. They sent me 5,000 miles to finish it. Listen, we cannot expect that life is always going to be easy. Anybody that tells you that if you have enough faith in Jesus, that life will be easy, they're trying to sell you something. It's not true. There's nothing in the New Testament that points in that direction. All you have to do is look at the lives of the apostles. Look at what Paul, we just read about what he went through. and, And to say he just didn't have enough faith, that's just ludicrous. There will be obstacles. There will be setbacks. If we are going to be the church God has called us to be, then we must press on even during hard times. Because God did not call us to start this race and then give up. He called us to run this race faithfully and to finish strong. No matter the obstacles, no matter the setbacks, no matter the opposition, and no matter the cost. Here's what we know. We know that Jesus is coming again. And we know that we're running out of time. If you pay attention to biblical prophecy and you pay attention to the news, it should be very obvious to you that we are in the last days. Jesus is coming. We're running out of time. And that means that now is not the time to coast along toward the finish line. Now is not the time to sit back in comfort and in ease. Now is not the time to quit, but now is the time to press on. Now is the time to persevere. Now is the time to share Jesus with greater urgency than we've ever shared him before. Now is the time to give more than we've ever given before. Now is the time to serve more passionately than we've ever served before. Now is the time to pray with an earnestness and a fervency that we've never known before. There are things we need in this life far more than money. And there are things we need in this church far more than money. We need a core of people committed to prayer, willing to do battle, willing to fight even when you don't feel like it. And I'm going to challenge you, as I said earlier, to make prayer a greater priority in your life than it ever has been before. And I'm asking you when you pray, i'm asking you to remember this church pray for us pray for your fellow uh, uh, family members the other the body of christ pray for the uh, the church's leaders pray for the workers pray for the staff pray that we will have open doors for ministry to this community pray that we will proclaim clearly the message of christ without compromise and pray that we will do this regardless of what stands in our way listen to me here's what i know and this is going back to What Jesus said when he said, upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Here's what I know. Listen, when the church gets up, when the church starts moving under the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit, when we get off of our pews, when we get into the battle for souls of men and women, when you begin to reach out to people, when you begin to be used by God, if you will do that, if you'll move forward under the leadership and the anointing of the Spirit of God, I'm here to tell you that the gates of hell are going to lose and the gospel of Jesus Christ is going to win every single time. Does that mean every person is going to get saved? No, because they have to make a choice. But I'm here to tell you, the devil cannot keep the gospel from going forward. And the devil cannot stop people from hearing it. The devil cannot stop the Holy Spirit from opening their minds and helping them to grasp it. He cannot stop the gospel. He cannot stop the church. He cannot stop you because you are the church. It's time to, it's time to say, I'm not satisfied with trying to just sit back and play defense. Some of us, life has been tough enough that that's what we feel like. We feel like we're back on our haunches and just trying to, just trying to survive. And it's time to stop that. It's time to get out of that mentality. It's time to look at our lives and look around us and say, wait a minute. I'm a child of the living God. I'm part of the church of Jesus Christ and the gates of hell will not prevail against this gospel. I'm going to go forward. I'm not going to get distracted by these things. I'm not boxed in. I'm going on the attack. I'm taking new new ground. I'm ready to go forward. I'm ready to take this city for God. I'm ready to expand the borders of the kingdom. I'm ready for God to grow me into what he wants me to be. I'm, I'm just not going to be satisfied sitting still and being comfortable in a church pre- church pew. I'm going to be used by him no matter what and the devil can't stop me. The gospel of Jesus Christ cannot be stopped. The gospel cannot be contained. Darkness can never drown out light. Light always wins. You ever notice that? You walk into a room and it's dark and you flip a switch on. It's not like the darkness says no, I'm not going anywhere. Fight back the light. No. It goes light always wins. Communism couldn't stop the gospel. Persecution couldn't stop the gospel. Atheists couldn't stop the gospel. Government regulations can't stop the gospel. China can't stop the gospel. Iran can't stop the gospel. Every Muslim in the world can't stop the gospel. I'm here to tell you the devil and all the demons in hell cannot stop the gospel. The gospel will prevail and there's nothing that the devil can do to stop it. And you carry the gospel. The Apostle Paul said this, Galatians 6, 9. Let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest. But there's important words at the end. If we do not give up. That's a really important six words. I had to count them real quick. You know what I read that? You know what it says to me? Because we're children of God, because the Spirit of God lives in us, because we're, we're, we're going to be walking in His anointing, what that says to me is, if we don't quit, we can't lose. Do you hear it? If we don't quit, we can't lose. And I'm here to tell you, with your prayers, and with the help of God and with his anointing, we as a church and you as an individual cannot fail as long as we don't give up. So if you're discouraged today, take heart. If you feel like that that, that you've tried and tried and it just hasn't worked and it's been one setback after another in your life, I'm here to tell you, just don't give up. God's hand is on you. You just you just press into Him. Take these next 21 days and say, Lord Jesus, You fill me with power. Fill me with courage. Give me boldness. I'm going to go forward as a a lion for the kingdom of God. I'm not going to be sitting back in the background just meekly suffering through things. I'm going to be a child of God in this world. I'm here to tell you, God's not done with you. He is not done with you. I don't care who you are. I don't care what you've done. I don't care where you've been. I don't care how, how often you've failed. He's not done with you. Don't give up. Would you bow your head together with me and pray? Father, I've just done my best to lay before these people what you've laid on my heart as we head into this new year. But God, I know that beyond that, I'm I'm powerless. I can't make anybody listen. I can't make anybody obey. I can't make anybody do anything. I can't make choices for anybody. I wish I could, God. But I can't. But today, Lord God, I I just feel like you're trying to say to us as a church that, that you have great things in store. There are great things you want to accomplish. But we need to seek your face. And as we seek your face, God, we make a covenant with you that we will not give up. We will not quit. We will be encouraged in the Lord today and not look to circumstances for our encouragement. We won't even look to other people for our encouragement. We will be encouraged in you because we know, God, that regardless of the setbacks, you've called us to finish this race and you're going to empower us to finish this race. And you're going to see us through. And we're not going to come just barely limping across the finish line. But we're going to burst through that tape. Glorious victors in Christ. And every bit of the glory is going to go to you. With heads bowed and eyes closed. Listen, I don't know who needed to hear this. I know I did. In preparing it, I needed to hear it. But you're here today and you say, Pastor, I want you to pray for me. I've been, I've been dealing with setbacks. I've been, I've been dealing with issues. I've been dealing with problems. But maybe here today, you're just ready to say, but I'm I'm done playing defense. I'm done sitting back and feeling sorry for myself. I'm ready to ta- attack the kingdom of darkness with the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm ready to go forward. I want God to fill me with the spirit. I want God to anoint me and prepare me and to strengthen me and to empower me. I want him to make me who he wants me to be. And I want to go and I want to make a difference in this world in wherever I can touch it, that he'll use me to, 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 make a difference. And if that's you in this place, I want you just to, to slip your hand up right where you are. Yeah, their hands up all over the place. Here's what I want you to do. Just about everybody raise their hands. So I want you just to stand to your feet. Everybody in this place, just stand to your feet. And I want you just to raise your hands to him. You know what? You know, when, when, when somebody comes at you and says, hey, stick them up, what do you do? You put your hands up as a sign of surrender. You say, I'm not going to fight. So I want you to raise your hands to our God and say, God, I'm not going to fight your plan. I'm not going to fight what you're trying to do. I'm, I want to be a willing participant. So here I am. I surrender to you. God, you see every heart. You see the hands that are raised before you. And God, even if we can't physically raise our hands, you see our hearts of surrender in this place. And God, I pray that in Jesus name, as we come before you, we surrender to you again, God, that you would start something new, something fresh, something powerful. And God, that we would stop sitting back and whining and complaining and worrying about all the setbacks and all the problems and all the issues. But God, that we'll look beyond those things and we'll see the everlasting God and we will know that God's hand is upon us and we are going forward in the name of Jesus Christ with the gospel of Jesus Christ and the gates of hell cannot prevail against us. And God, we give you thanks. And God, I pray we would go from this place today encouraged and and charged up and empowered by the Spirit of God. And Lord, when the enemy comes and he tries to discourage us again, in the name of Jesus, we're 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 not going to sit back and play defense. We're going to attack with the Word of God. We're going to go forward. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.